Yo, what up? What's up? Holy crap. I didn't realize that you had those big kind of headphones. You're uh, yeah. <laughs> I am. No, they, uh, actually got them in high school, I think, but, um, yeah, they stayed together and I had to put like tape on the top of them because like this was all falling apart. I taped up the sides of them, but yeah, okay. store, sound, on, on base. <laughs> nice, nice. It's good, good to see you. It's like you have like the Beats by Dre, but they're like Beats by Brian, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who needs Beats by Dre? Like these were like I think one third the price of the Dre, of the Dre's, which is why I purchased them. <laughs> yeah, they got good base, good base on those. As for I think I think they're Sony, but um, I said like extra bass. I was like, I love bass, so I will I'll take you up on that. Bass, bass is good. Bass is good. How's things going up up there? Uh, pretty good. Just um, uh, didn't do much of anything yesterday, but hang out and watch movies. So that was great. Nice. <laughs> uh, baseball, and um, that's about it. Other than working. <laughs> Well, I, well, it was funny because you were talking about how you were like going to be like, well, 10 o'clock, I can do it, but it'll be, I guess you said something about, I'll, I'll try not to drink too many old styles. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Is Brian, Brian got an event that he's going to? Now, no, I was wondering about no, that. there was no event. The event was sitting on my couch. Yeah, sorry to take you back. Um, no, the event was literally um, sitting on my couch with Lizzie doing nothing all day so I are very uh notorious for falling asleep on the couch early and then like staying there for way too long so didn't want that to happen <laughs> well that's good hey you can't complain about that at all yeah how you been man how's your weekend good got i got lunch at noon so and i have to call in a uh call in a pizza at like 11 o'clock to go pick it up and then take it to my brother's house in Southern Illinois. So that's why I got the hard cap today. But, uh, uh I'm no getting, worries. I, what yeah. are you picking up for lunch? Uh, pizza. There's a, there's like only like one or two pizza places that are open for lunch this or, or, or this early in the day. So it's like, I got to go pick it up in St. Louis or otherwise we'd get it from somewhere in Southern Illinois. But like, everywhere that's close to my brother's is like oh yeah we don't open till like four o'clock on sundays and it's like oh okay well yeah like two places in st louis that's open at like noon on sundays yeah which is weird yeah it's annoying it's weird you'd think that it wouldn't be a thing anymore but i guess pizza places have more i don't know adherence to tradition i guess i don't know Mm mm-hmm it's it's just it's just odd because like i like some of the like italian restaurants around here used to never be open on sundays and i it made sense because they were like mom and pop shops and it was like oh okay well i guess you know italian catholic makes sense a whole lot of you know don't want to work on sundays and then they just eventually were like well everyone works on sundays and everyone is open on sundays i guess we'll start doing it too so it's weird i don't know it's a weird dynamic That's yeah. something usually just like everybody's open for well, well I guess it's because there's so many brunch places around here that it's like almost every restaurant has has transformed into a semi brunch place and then I guess you can still go there for like it's already I mean it's it most of them are open at like 10 o'clock for that reason but it's like they've all just taken over yeah you know the 
No. <laughs> yeah, you well, you know my you know my stance on brunch, right? For like the most part. Remind me. Okay, so brunch, I'm okay. Like I like all the food in brunch. Like I love waffles. Like chicken and waffles is like my go-to. I brunch is great in every single way, except it is like a little bit of a scam because it's also like extremely expensive in a lot of places. And it's like, yeah. oh, you are making me scrambled eggs with like bacon and yeah. hash browns and stuff like that. And then I order a mimosa. That'll be forty dollars. Okay, like, <laughs> what, what? Like, I for the longest time, like, there was only one time in my whole entire life that I felt like super duper rich. And it was when I didn't know how much an egg cost, and I thought an egg cost like sixty cents, and it's actually like twelve. <laughs> so that's like, I just feel like. <laughs> I just feel like brunch is a bit of a scam. Like it's great and I love it and I'm going to pay for it, but it's like, it's a little bit like, if yeah. you actually really down to it, it's, it's kind of a scam. No, it's a lot of scam. It's literally like, like, like Bill Burr talks about, he's like literally got me standing down the street waiting for pancakes that I could make in my kitchen very easily. <laughs> like, yeah. like we all have the, the, like pancakes are not that hard. Eggs are not that hard. Like you can do this. <laughs> right. And I guess the, I guess the thing is like, that's why I always have to like go ham. Like I have to go like super, like something I can't make. Poutine. Like, yes. Yeah. So like chicken and waffles, I'm getting it for the fried waffle or getting it for the fried chicken. And the waffle is just like extra. Like I'm down to pay mm-hmm. 12, 12 to $15 for chicken and waffles. Cause the fried chicken, I can't do at home. But there you like, go. There you go. Yeah. Or if like if I'm going to get like just like traditional stuff like ham and sausage and all that stuff, I want to add more to it. So it's like I feel, even though I'm spending like twenty dollars on all this stuff, at least I know like volume wise I couldn't make all these things at one time. So right. I'm going for, going for volume more than quality on that. What's there you your, go. Like, what is your go-to uh, brunch thing? Go-to brunch thing. Well, once you mentioned uh, chicken and waffles, I have to give a shout out to Parsons because now I want to go to Parsons that has a patio. It's a wonderful day, you know, that might be happening in our future, but because they have uh, chicken and waffles that are just to die for. Oh my God, I love that place. Um, but usually at brunch, my go-to just because I can't eat a uh, majority of the menu um, is, uh, but I love them anyway, is uh, just skillets. I would oh, I, yeah. like like skillet without egg, but just like, you know, potatoes or like hash browns and a bunch of veggies and meat and like good seasonings. It's like, that's, I'm good to go. Yeah. We've been to skillets. I was, I was a fan. Yeah. Skillets was dope. It was really good. Yeah. I, I will say it's one thing about Chicago that I do really love is like, there's a lot of really good places. There's a lot yeah, of we great went to the places place down there. the street, right? When you came yeah. Did yeah. You get skillets there? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah, and skillets was oh, skillets was like <laughs> a step above being like greasy spoon, but not like bougie mm-hmm. in any sort of way. The only like thing mm-hmm. was like I remember that the, their coffee or their uh, tea make their tea tasted like coffee, which is really strange. And I'm wondering, if, <laughs> I'm hoping that's just a one time occurrence. But skillets is great. I've experienced that. I'm drinking coffee or tea right now. It's a it's a green tea though, but uh, I feel like. Is that, that that same diner that we went to? You thought yeah. that tea tasted like coffee? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, it, was, it, was, it was wild. It was the first time I ever turned down tea at a restaurant, and I was like, you, yeah. I want to take you know, my Coke Yeah, I, I think it was because they used the same, like, water in the same, um, or sorry, the same uh, 
uh, pitchers for the tea as they do the coffee. So the coffee, or, or I'm sorry, that, but also um, the same machines. Water. Yeah, like the same machine to like make the tea. Like if you if you ever have tea in a Keurig, it's horrible. Oh it just, yeah. The coffee that's been in there. <laughs> oh god, yeah. It's all. There's, it's also like tea. Brand, I'm out. <laughs> it's also brand of tea. So like iced tea. Some people use Louisiana. I'm a Lipton man. There's like some other brands of iced tea, mm. and they all taste completely different. I think Louisiana is the one that I dislike the most because I think it has that little bit of that like coffee tang to it and Lipton's just all delicious all the time yes. green tea out of here I understand Bigelow's great Republic of Tea is great but like green tea hot tea rubbish just pure rubbish rubbish English, Bigelow. England doesn't Bigelow know what they're is doing. wonderful England this is not only green this is Earl Grey green so it's a combination of Earl Grey and green tea and it's it's a combination that I didn't know I wanted so badly in my life it's wonderful I I understand that tea and green tea is supposed to soothe you, but whenever I'm wanting to like, it's either coffee or chocolate's got to be hot. Tea cannot be hot. It just can't. It doesn't have enough oomph. It doesn't have enough flavor. It's too faint. It's got, that shit's got to get cold and it's got to be sweet and it's got to be tea. tea tea? Yeah. Tea is not, it doesn't have enough flavor to be hot. Like if you're going to be a hot just liquid, in general, like, yeah, if you're going to be a hot overarching statement, yeah, <laughs> if so, you're going to be a hot liquid, you got to have some oomph behind you. Tea, coffee, hot chocolate is like, that's it. People who drink hot wine at Christmas are weird. People who drink green tea. I don't get it. It's just like, you gotta, tea does not have enough oomph on its own to be hot. And that's my hot take to start off this podcast. So that is yeah. that is quite the hot take. Yes, um, exactly. But, <laughs> but uh, the tea that I'm currently drinking, I would dare you. This flavor is just lovely, and I it's just enough to be enjoyable. Which is Earl Grey green tea and a little bit of honey that I threw in there. But it's just it's it's waking me up. It's it's wonderful and nice here on this this lovely Sunday morning. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting started. We're off the rails. Even we haven't even gotten on the rails, and we're on it. He's Brian. I'm Jordan. You're in the Up the Middle podcast, and that was our tea talk se- uh, segment of the uh, podcast here. Um, tea talk, yes. It's a media staple. <laughs> Better than TikTok, to be honest. So, uh, Cubs are good. Uh, Cardinals, we don't know because they haven't played at all. Uh, let's start with let's start with the Cardinals here. Basically, nothing's happened with them. They've played two games uh, since their COVID outbreak. Like since our last podcast, still, I think two games have been played. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny because so. Last time we talked, we talked. Uh, it was before they played the Twins, and they got swept by the Twins. And then now they've just come back from their. I think it's been two or, yeah, two weeks, two three weeks since they've been on the uh, on the ball field. Um, them and Miami have both been kind of uh, got COVID outbreaks, which tons of people have talked about. Uh, that are smarter than us. That can tell you all the details with that. I will say this: there's some. I would say the situations between Miami and St. Louis have been completely different. They're similar in a lot of ways, but they're very different in some profound ways. Um, Why Miami got on the field a lot quicker than St. Louis did. One of them is Miami just got pretty much everybody got it all at once. They had about 18 people get COVID-19 and had like a one week pause about nine days between games. 
And Cardinals had it drawn a little more drawn out with 16 people getting it and then had over a two week pause regarding having COVID. So um, I don't really have a whole lot to say about the, what this whole situation there. I know there's been a lot of people talking about, you know, what did the players do to, to break protocol? Did they break protocol? Did they go out to some somewhere? Did they do whatever? And there's been really no reports confirming that they went anywhere that they weren't supposed to be. There was a rumor that they went to a casino, but that was debunked. John Heyman even tried reporting it, and then it got debunked by not only the Cardinals and all the players, but also the casinos that they that people were saying that they went to. They said that the Cardinals weren't there. So it's been uh, interesting, and I think the biggest thing to come out of it um, that I don't think a lot of people have talked about, um, or at least people haven't driven into the ground, is – Rob Manfred is going to try to make up all these games. I think it's about 55 games in 44 days. So it means tons of doubleheaders for the Cardinals. And Manfred's really just trying to work on getting them a credible season so that at the end of the year, if the Cardinals are good enough to make the playoffs, there can't be people saying, well, they didn't play enough games or it's not a credible season. So I guess, Brian, my overarching question to you is, what number of games would you consider a credible season for a team that's had a COVID-19 outbreak? If you know, if you have an idea about that, because I think it's about 50, I think 50 is a good number. Wait, sorry. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> the question would be uh, Rob Manfred talks about uh, having a credible season for the Cardinals and the Marlins and trying mm-hmm. to get enough games. So there's not like a hard number that he's gotten there. How many games would you consider a season to be credible in the 60-game season? I think it's 50. I think 50 makes a lot of sense. uh, Well, I guess to take a step back from your question, but I'll answer your question very shortly. At this point with um, uh, (laughs) – I almost think that the plan going in with the 60 game is knowing that there is a more than fair chance of this type of outbreak happening on a number of teams and reducing it to having to be 50 by the end of the year for everybody. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, I feel like that was just had to be like a contingency plan. Like if, if the, if the type of spread that happened with the Cardinals or the Marlins were the teams or so, if they're, if they're just thinking, well, now we're just going to cut the season short and it's mm-hmm. going to 50 instead of 60 games, you know, because I just, I mean, do you think they're going to get all these? I mean, <laughs> they're going to be playing eight games in five days in a few days. They have 11 total doubleheaders. Like, is this going to happen? I still don't think it's going they're to. Going, they're going to try their damnedest is what's going to happen with that, which I, I'm not going to lie. I love doubleheader baseballs. And our doubleheader, doubleheaders in baseball is great. I think we should have been playing more of them in the beginning anyway. Like the seven that, inning two just feels like it feels like a little league. It feels like it's like a like a weekend tournament. Oh yeah, I mean we we shouldn't be doing seven inning doubleheaders going forward after this season. But like <laughs> we'll see. I'm not gonna lie, it's not a bad way to like spend a Saturday afternoon is to watch two games in 14 innings. Like it's not bad. Right. So from like a product standpoint, <laughs> not terrible. I mean, I would like them to be, I'd like to, I'd like them to be both nine inning games, but like 
they're on they're yeah. on to something here with this and yeah i guess i never really considered that you kind of went like galaxy brain on me that or that you think basically baseball went galaxy brain and was like well there's going to be an outbreak <laughs> <A meme. laughs> and it's like let's 50 is the number that we really want so let's try to play 60 and then if 50 and we're going to end up landing on 50 i i never really considered yeah. that but like i think that is I think if you had like the Cubs, let's say the Cubs don't ever get an outbreak and then the Cardinals, they can only get like 50 games in. And it's like a difference mm -hmm. of like, I understand like central division titles don't really mean a lot. Like in my opinion, they don't mean a whole lot, but like, let's say they have like mm -hmm. the Cardinals winning percentage is like ever slightly higher than the Cubs. Like, would you consider the Cardinals right. to be central division uh, champions? <laughs> I mean, right. If it's a credible There'd season, be some sort of crazy, like, uh, I don't know how they would even determine that, uh, like tie break if it was like them a head to head record or something like that. But I think we should talk a little bit about what has been on the field. And I look, as I look at the comparative stats between the Cubs and the Cardinals, it's comical, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's no. kind of a <laughs> Yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally down with, with some Cubs talk here. So 13 and five start pretty good. Cubs are pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. And I saw um, – I was just kind of looking to see, like, uh, what their Pythagorean came out to be. And it's 11-7, and seven, so, like, a little fortunate. But you know what? Good teams are usually fortunate. And a two-game difference in, in your Pythagorean and your actual re win record is actually not yeah. bad. So, it's not a huge yeah. deviance. So, Cubs are kind of <laughs> what they uh, are supposed to be. Uh, from what I've gathered in my – my first glance at this hitting's been great. They have had really great offense pretty much up and down the lineup for the most part. Um, and pretty good starting pitching to support that. And then basically they just said, we're not going to use our bullpen very much. And that's kind of been the key to success, right? Well, the, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The key to the success is like avoiding the problem. Uh, <laughs> like, like COVID, right? The bet, the best way to not, the best way to not get it is to not be around it ever. <laughs> yeah, it's just not after. So, okay, keep going, Hendricks, keep going. Darfish, you guys are doing great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, to go back to the offense for a sec, I was just looking up because, I mean, um, for whatever stake you put in batting average, it is very interesting that, like, just as a league-wide, they said this is one of the lowest batting average for to, at this time of the regular season, like, ever or something like that but just looking at team like Cubs are third and on base percentage at 340 so like an average on base percentage in the league is 313 right now like yeah. it just seems like like other under like uh half the teams literally have a, a team on base percentage at 313 or lower it's like this offense has been uh <laughs> it's been meager but um Cubs are eighth in OPS also at 766, but um, like uh, the major offensive categories, I guess the Cubs are near the top in quite a few of them. And something I thought was interesting though is in walks are down at 12th, um, Indians at 94 walks. So they have a fairly pretty good on base percentage, in the, but they have one of the lower walk rates in the league. But um, I thought that that was some interesting uh, context. And at the same time for pitching, if you look at team whip, if you just sort it by team, the, uh, the Cardinals have pitched – Cardinals pitching has pitched 57 innings thus far this year. 
and Dodgers pitching has pitched 201. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, the Cubs, though, are fourth in whip. The Cardinals are first in whip right now. And again, I don't, I don't know what stock you could take in these like seven games, right? They're three yeah. and four now. It's so yeah. funny. Three and four. So four and three. Four and three. Okay, now. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Four and three. Um, in uh, strikeouts, they're quite down on the list, but then about Alec Mills, uh, John Lester, and Kyle Hendricks, like averaging around 87. <laughs> like, if you were to average all their pitches, like, honestly, like if the, the inconsistent Kyle Hendricks fastball is 87 with this changeup, just like down the knees. So it's been awesome to see the starting pitching and then um, just like hope against hope that we don't have to put in one of our not top flight relievers. Um, even Jeffers gave up a, a run yesterday for the first time. I think he was. 18 for 18 on sitting guys down to start the season. But we've had some good relievers, but, you know, the Kimbrel, whatever's going on is going on. And there's just been a, a consistent lack of the ability to throw strikes from the bullpen as a whole. So hopefully. Yeah. We'll <laughs> and I think, I think definitely the Cubs have been pretty much what they, they've been doing what they've been needing to do. Like I'm just kind of going through their schedule and like the central's bad on both sides like the central has <laughs> the al central isn't great and nl central isn't great some of those those teams that we kind of had question marks about like the the brewers and the reds and if i would even yeah those two organizations like they're bad they're not very good so <laughs> they've been beating those teams and that's what you got to play who's on your schedule right and they've Right. Taking care of the, and good teams take care of those teams and then those good team and good teams also beat other good teams or they split series or they don't get swept like you got to beat who you got to beat so like the cubs have been right. just pulling along just being better than everybody else and i got to give them kudos to that that it's a weird season and they seem to not be missing a beat on this weird season it's been quite wonderful i mean just uh to have uh, every day, like going into it, like you feel like pretty good with the starter. You're like, well, he was really good last time, so like I have no reason to believe we don't have a good chance of winning today's ball game, especially when you're playing teams that are scuffling. Except for last few games against the Brewers, which has been disappointing. But eventually, starting thirteen and three, best start since nineteen oh seven. It was not. Yeah. We're gonna lose some games here, but um, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, well, I mean, when you when you lose games by like a run and like an extra innings, it's hard to get too mad yeah. about those. To be honest, yeah. like that's how I kind of feel about like even like playoff hockey. It's like you lose a game in overtime; it's hard to get super upset about it because yeah. they're literally <laughs> coin flips. And like those one-run games, they're coin flips at that mm-hmm. at that point. Especially when you get to the extra innings and they have the guy, a guy on second, like which I'm glad. Like I watched some of those games with the guys on second, and I'm. I think they're fine for regular season games. I don't want to see them in the playoffs ever, but like, yeah, to kind of get things wrapped up, it's totally fine. Whatever is what it is. Yeah. It's just, I really hope again, I mean, uh, I think the DH is here forever, but some of these rules, like we, uh, I hope that they, when they collectively bargain the next time uh, (laughs) that they revert back to the pre COVID days. For sure. For sure. By the way, how do you feel about the DH as a Cubs fan? You got to be liking it, right? For the most part, it's been nice in the lineup. Honestly, it was kind of funny. Josh Fegley was DHing yesterday, which I was like, 
<laughs> what, what kind of, such a weird season when Josh Fegley is literally DHing for the Cubs in 20. 20- yeah. It's been, I mean, the lineup up and down has been um, just to cons- – I mean, uh, Schwarber's been in there uh, a bit, but they've kind of cycled through a, a few different guys. Um, but um, just to uh, um, have that added bat in the lineup, especially with, like, the relatively deep um, – the relatively deep uh, um, uh, bench that we have. Caratini has been in there because you have all these options now with Caratini and um, Contreras because Caratini could play first when Rizzo's not playing, but you want to get Contreras in there as much as possible. So he's been he's been nice to slot in there. And I think Bodie has had a couple DH uh, spots, but um, it's just when you want to get – if you have like, you know, if you have a right-handed or left-handed lineup, it's a way to get another one of those into the lineup. And I feel like it's with a relatively deep batch, it's been real nice. And I told you, DH <laughs> is awesome. I don't know why people hate it. It's freaking great. <laughs> it's nice, but I still miss – I still want to see John Lester lay down a bunt to win a game in the 10th inning. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's the worst. Uh, no bunts, less bunting. Bunting is the worst. It sucks. Dingers only, baby. All right. Bunting could be fun. Yeah. Um, anything else like hodgepodge you want to get into before we talk about our NL West fuels guys? I mean, the only thing I have is like Fernando Tatis Jr. is freaking awesome. And yes. Mike Trout is still freaking awesome. <laughs> and it's going to be that weird. Was, because- yeah. It's going to be really weird that he missed like a week to like his uh, firstborn uh being birthed and he's still gonna probably like he still he leads the AL Central or the AL uh in home runs right now. Yeah he's tied for the lead in home runs still with Judge. Yeah it's literally like basically all I wanted to add was my um everlasting affection for Mike Trout but he's um his OPS is uh over one. He has nine home runs tied for the league lead with Tatis and Judge who uh bets at eight. It's like I just – he's such a fun human being to uh, watch play baseball and live at the same time as. <laughs> yeah, and it's great because now I, I don't know about – I don't know about you, but I think the NL might have found their, ne- their, their version of Mike Trout. I really do. I think Fernando Tatis, Tatis – I think Fernando Tatis is really freaking good. He may not be he Troutian, really but good. he is very close. He's like that next step below. And he's like so young that I can't really see him ever getting like worse anytime soon. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean he's he's uh, twenty one years old. So like I just look at it as like the longevity of what Trout has done year after year. Like since he came into the league, that's where like that's where I place like Trout. But like the way that he's performing right now is incredible. So hopefully he can keep it up for a long period of time. For sure. He's a, he's a, he might be a Scherzi guy for me here in a little bit, especially with those brown unis that they have in San Diego. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good Scherzi. That's a good Scherzi, yes. For sure. Uh, and then also, I got one thing. I don't know if you've noticed, but, like, FS1 needs to, like, figure out their matchups better, to be honest. Um, the last, like, couple of days, it's been, like, Detroit Pirates. And it's like, what got, why are you showing that on national television? At any point, why is Detroit that on Pirates? Well, they played. Yeah, it's like they had like the like a couple of weeks ago. They were showing it was Tigers Pirates, 
was like the yeah. matchup that they were showing. I'm like, there is zero intrigue with either two of these teams. Like Detroit's better than they should be, but like I do not want to see a Detroit Tigers Pirates Pittsburgh Pirates game ever in my whole entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I love baseball, but that is a terrible matchup to try to show on TV. Could there have been like Reds Indians or Reds Royals <laughs> or anything like FS1? Yeah, literally any doing? other game. <laughs> but it's been that way it's been that way for like like a couple different other things because they've had like i think like boston and miami may have been an fs1 game and i'm like that's a terrible matchup too that's not very good i think there was like a yeah there was like yank or trying to think was it orioles it was Orioles and somebody else was on FS1 too. And just basically Orioles should not be shown on any TV anywhere at any time. So like, I don't yeah. know FS1, whoever's doing yeah. your programming needs to figure out some better matchups. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like last night um, after the Cubs game, they had Yankees Red Sox on ESPN, which is kind of nice, but um, televised game games and only so much baseball being played you gotta really you can't waste your time on the orioles <laughs> yeah we're, scra- we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for that one all right yeah. that's basically that's basically all i had do you have anything that's all i got baseball is still fun to watch and uh uh yeah that's it <laughs> okay all right, so we're gonna do we're gonna move on to a segment uh, that we did last week or last time, not last week, but last time here, and it's this basically feel. I is it feels like game? I feels guess like. feels like okay. I didn't know if we had a title for it yet, but basically the uh, idea. Is not that, really, but that's what I call it. <laughs> yeah, basically the idea is that every organization has a player that looks like a certain like a player feels like a certain organization or an organization feels like a certain player so it all stemmed because i or jonathan scope feels like he should be an oriole forever and it was (laughs) coming from a from another game that we had that there's just certain guys that just feel like certain organizations so last week we did the al west um and this this week we're going to do the nl west and i don't know brian do you want to start or do you want me to start here uh, you. Okay. Let's start with, let's go start with the Los Angeles Dodgers here. And this one was tough because I think there's a lot of players that feel like Dodgers. Um, mm-hmm. My honorable mention here is Kike Hernandez feels like he should be a Dodger <laughs> forever. And he just feels like the Dodgers organization because he'll like wear like the high socks or the tight pants He's pretty good, but not fantastic. Um, you know, he's not like – he's not going to be an iconic player. He's not going to get his number retired. But he's, like, pretty good, and he's always going to be pretty good. Um, he has, like, a f- weird mustache sometimes. He takes weird pictures on social media. <laughs> uh, he just feels like a Dodger. But, to be honest, whenever I think of Los Angeles Dodgers, I think of Chan Ho Park. That's who I think. Dan Ho Park adds just a little bit extra because, again, he was, like, good. um, But he's got some iconic moments that are, like, not iconic moments for him but for other people. Um, As everyone knows in Cardinals Nation, uh, Chan Ho Park is the pitcher who gave up the two grand slams in one inning to Fernando Tatis. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, it was just kind of crazy. He also gave up home run number 71 to Barry Bonds in my research here. I didn't realize wow, that. that's, yeah. that's a fun stat. <laughs> yeah. Chan Ho Park is just iconic in ways that you don't want to be iconic. So that's my guy who feels the most like the Los Angeles Dodgers. I don't know. What do you think? That's a good one. Dodgers uh, is none other than James Loney. Oh gosh, James Loney. Okay, all right. So I was, I was, I was hard. The third thing for me with the Dodgers is that the Dodgers acquire a lot of people who, to me, then feel like the players of other teams that end up on the Dodgers. They probably were on the Red Sox. Like it's gonna probably be like Carl Crawford or like David Price. Or like, you know, just all these guys who bounce around the big name organizations that like the rich teams trade. So oh, yeah. Bit. <laughs> like Adrian Gonzalez. Because, yeah, whenever there was like that time when like super rich team needs to do a salary dump to another super rich team. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of Dodgers, <laughs> a lot of Dodgers, Red Sox uh, tre- overtread there. Yes, yeah, exactly. The, the, Cubs, the Cubs sometimes get involved. You know, the Yankees sometimes get involved. But um Anyway, James Loney to me perfectly embodied uh, a Dodger who was just there through a very good period of time, but was just kind of a stalwart without being like a star. Like he spent six and a half years with the Dodgers. And honestly, he had, he had quite a few nice years. Like he hit around like 280 usually. Uh, he was a pretty good uh, defender at first base, I remember. He like, he batted usually like third in the lineup, I want to say, because he had some pop, but he was just like a good, a fairly good hitter. Like he had uh like his highest career war is 2.8 but like every season he's hitting like two war basically so like but James Loney to me felt like a Dodger where it's just like yep he's going to be in that lineup and he was for like six years with them like winning the division every year (laughs) yeah James Loney he was part of that like Andre Ethiard Matt Kemp uh core right I believe so yeah sorry you broke up a little bit there you said Ethier Ethier Matt Kemp core Yep, yep, yeah. yep. With um, and then Jonathan Broxton coming in as a closer, and uh, who else was in that lineup? Like um, uh, Puig, I think, was already there at that. Yeah, point. towards the end. Yeah, he was there towards, towards the, the end. end. Yeah, but maybe Jeff Kent. <laughs> oh yeah, Jeff post giant Jeff Kent. Oh yeah, yeah. I I got you yeah. there. Yeah, that's a good one. I never thought. I like James Loney. Also, like you never think of ever but he but he is like really good he's like he was pretty great when he was uh when he was playing there so uh let's do let's do san francisco this uh for the giants here so this one goes off a little bit of san francisco and oakland i feel have very similar vibes when it comes to players so Mm -hmm. when you mentioned eric sogard for the athletics um everybody's favorite uh shoegaze guitarist uh, I immediately thought of – at first I wanted to put Joe Panic down for San Francisco, which Joe Panic is – he just wasn't with the, with the Giants long enough, in my opinion. He was really good. He was good. He had 7.7 war. He's my honorable mention for this. But Kelby Tomlinson is a giant just embodied Kelby Tomlinson. Yeah. See you. I don't think you recognize the name, but I, people who know, know. So Kelby Tomlinson looks like Eric Sogard's brother who plays bass in the shoegaze band, who is also a teacher 
and possibly a youth pastor on Sundays. Kelby Tomlinson had <laughs> these glasses that weren't rec specs. They were like real thin glasses that looked like your The color like mine. <laughs> oh, smaller than yours. Yeah. They're smaller, smaller than your than glasses. Mine, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. And they are very unathletic. Kelby Tomlinson only played like three years or four years for the Giants, like bounced up and down. He's no longer in baseball. I think he last time he played was like in 2016 or something like that. But Kelby Tomlinson just – he looks like this – like Eric Sogar looks like he, had, he would have like tattoos and like would live in Oakland or like near Oakland and like go to – like he wouldn't go, Eric Sogard wouldn't go to farmer's markets, but Kelvin, Kelvin Thompson looks like a San Francisco version of it where he's like, I have no tattoos, but I wear flannel everywhere unironically. And I really like the farmer's markets in the mission area. And like, he just seems, he seems like San Francisco and Eric Sogard seems like Oakland. That's just what they are. Very similar, but different in other ways. Also, like, Eric Sogard yeah. had, had, like, facial hair sometimes. And it's, like, kind of pointy. Yeah. And it, Kelby Thompson, yeah. I think, could probably grow, like, four whiskers ever. <laughs> yeah, worse than me, which is say, saying something. Yeah. Look at, I, I'm looking at this guy. I remember this guy now. He, he was on a couple teams that went to the either the World Series or the, like, playoffs, because I think he was – in that time frame. So I think I remember seeing him on a couple playoff games, but he absolutely matches your description. Like he, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, he does embody the franchise pretty, pretty perfectly. I feel like, um, all right. So my selection for the giants is Randy Wynn. Randy Wynn. Okay. Andy Wynn, W I N N. No, I don't read. Yes. I I know of Randy Wynn, but I don't know like what position he plays. I generally was he around so, Bond's time. So Randy Wynn played from two thousand five to two thousand nine. So near, okay, so I guess overlapping after. at the end of Bond. Yeah, it was after. But Randy Wynn was a pretty good ball player. Like his uh, career WAR was twenty seven and a half, which is like not super easy to do obviously so but he uh he hit like around 300 he was a leadoff guy he was an outfielder but every year he was like consistently he was going to be at the top of that lineup whenever you play the Giants it's going to be Randy Wynn like he had he played almost every like full seasons every seat every year he was in the league so um I just remember <laughs> so he had a couple like good he had a couple uh he had like a 4.8 war season with Tampa Bay but then he came to the Giants near the end of his career um because he spent with uh Tampa Bay and Seattle he was already in the league for eight seasons prior to that but Randy went to me just I, I try to think of a guy who's like what people when he comes back like when they when he comes back when they welcome players for like a seventh inning stretch or like wave on the field like a majority of the stands are going to give like a fairly meager applause to be like <laughs> hey Randy win he played for us for not going to be, you know, like when a superstar comes back that has his number retired or whatever. So I feel like he embodied the franchise pretty well. Yeah, he's like the – he's like Reggie Sanders for the Cardinals. Like pretty good. Reggie but you Sanders, kind of forget, yeah. You kind of forget about Reggie Sanders until someone mentions him, and then you're like, oh, yeah, he was on that really good 04 team. He was really good. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Reggie Sanders, yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> for, yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, we'll go to San Diego here. San Diego, this one was tough because I don't know if you've seen San Diego's baseball reference, Brian, but it's kind of sad. It's a really <laughs> sad page. Because, so, like, there are some really, there are some, like, baseball reference when you look at, like, franchises. There's some that, like, are kind of rough. Like, the Orioles one is kind of rough because, like, their best players were, like, from, like, the 70s and before. If you look at, like, on their top war or top players of all time. And, but to a certain extent, it's like, well, Baltimore, they had a lot of good players really early in their franchise years. And then you look at, like, San Diego. And San Diego Padres have been around for quite a while. But, like, their top 24 is, like, super sad. Like, <laughs> the person – the like, so obviously you have, like, Tony Gwynn who is, like, at the top. But, like, Tony Gwynn's war isn't even all that high. Like, it's not even in the triple digits. It's still, like, in the 80s, which is kind mm-hmm. of surprising to me. But it's, like, that's what happens when you're a singles hitter and war just doesn't yeah. like singles hitters. <laughs> and, dude – the guy who believe, who I think is like the most like San Diego Padre is Chase Headley, and he's in the top twenty four in their in their uh, franchise with twenty five point nine WAR, which is just ridiculous to me. <laughs> and he's on the upper half of that. That's not like he's like yeah. number twenty three, twenty four. That's like he's like fifteen or six or fourteen on the list. And Chase, Chase Headley is, was just like he's just a guy. He was like the biggest just a guy I've ever seen because he was like also on the Yankees, which was like a forgettable experience for a lot of people. <laughs> He's just a guy. Yeah. yeah. He's a definition of a Jag for sure. Like when he was on the Yankees, like I remember when he was straight to the Yankees and they're like, Oh, we got, you know, a fairly good player who plays, uh, but like Jay said, like the thing I'm, like remember about him most is not being of notoriety (laughs) yeah you recognize the name because he was like the star on those Padres teams when he was on it and you're like oh that's who you're coming in with to beat us is Chase Headley (laughs) he was like he was like the cleanup batter like on like a 41 team (laughs) yeah it was it was rough but that's who I think of when I think of like the San Diego Padres and non-iconic players, which there's a lot of them. There's a lot of non-iconic players on the, on the Mm. Padres. But yeah, if you ever just want to feel like super duper depressed, like look at your organization's uh, BREF page and the top 24 players, which I haven't looked at the Cubs, but I assume it's like pretty good. And like, cause the Cardinals is pretty good. And I just kind of say, I kind of assume that those two organizations are similar when it comes to like having iconic players and then go look at like the Baltimore Orioles and the San Diego Padres and just get really sad. Yes. Yes. That is a, a good call. All right. Yeah. To your point of like non-iconic players who like had some like surprisingly decent play with them. Uh, Brian Giles. Brian, yes. Yes, Brian so, Giles. Please guess Brian Giles' career war. Uh, I, so he's, he is in the top 25 or top 24 in the organization. I know that. I know Who's that. He? I'm pre, I'm fairly certain. I bet it's 16. Brian Giles' career war is 51. 
Oh shit! No, oh shit! <laughs> like, That's like there lot. are there are there are Hall of Famers who have wars far lower than that. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, but uh, oh, not Tim Raines. Uh, uh, Harold Baines. Harold Baines. Harold Baines. Uh, but uh, but um, uh, Brian Giles played. He started playing for the Padres in his age thirty-two season. Uh, but he played for the Padres from age thirty-two through age thirty-eight, um, and he had some quite good years with them. Like his, um, he had one uh, season. He actually had two seasons around five WAR and two seasons around four WAR. But he had like he consistently batted around three hundred, and he had uh, actually in his his biggest year with the Pirates. I don't know. He had four really good seasons with the Pirates. He actually was um, he had thirty. Uh, in three years in a row, he had 39, 35, and 37 to 38 bombs in four years with the Pirates. Like, I do not remember Brian Giles hitting that many home runs for the Pirates from 1999 to 2002, but I always remember him as a Padre. That's why he's like, he feels like a Padre. (laughs) Well, so no, so for me, he feels like a Pirate. That's what I think of him as. But I do totally get where you're coming from with San Diego because, yes, he was there for a long time, and it always, like, I wouldn't say it surprised me, but every time I was like pleasantly surprised, it's like, oh, Brian Giles is still doing this as a Padre. Yeah. Like, here we go. <laughs> All right. But no, I yeah. like, I really remember him as a Pittsburgh Pirates because like the Cardinals, okay. like, I think I've told, I've said this before, but like the Cardinals used to have, um, I didn't have cable growing up. So the only time I could watch Cardinals games was like when they're on uh, the local TV channel. So it was like, Channel 11 for the longest time had like mm-hmm. the Sunday Cardinals games and it was always the Reds and it was always the Pirates. It just always seemed to be that those were the games that they would show on like the local over the air TV. So like I yeah. saw a lot of Brian Giles in 2000. Like that was just <laughs> the only guy that we saw a lot of. Yeah. He, that year he had almost 700 at bats. So yeah, <laughs> you're going to see a lot of Brian Giles. Yeah. I like, it is burned into my brain images of uh, Brian Giles as a Pittsburgh Pirate. And then remember when Cincinnati was tearing down, uh, was it Century and Field or whatever? It was like the big, remember it was the big oval or the big oval stadium. Was it Centurion was what it was back in the day or whatever? Okay. I don't recall that. Yeah. Anyway, before Great American Ballpark, when they were tearing that down, they like tore down like the outfield portion. So that looked like Shea Stadium for like half a season while they were playing Mm -hmm. games. Like that's what I remember. I'll see if I can find some images of that and send it. But yeah, that's like my youth is based around uh, Brian jo- watching Cardinals play Brian Giles and playing at a half broken down stadium in Cincinnati. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right, let's go to Arizona. So Arizona was another tough one for me just because there's not like a ton of players. Like mm-hmm. I thought about saying Paul Goldschmidt. I really okay. did. Uh, but he's like too good. He's too good to be bad. Yeah. To be part he might be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's too good. Yeah, he's I, is Paul Gold- I'm going to have to think about that one. Paul Goldschmidt's a Hall of Famer. I'm going to have to think about that one a little bit more. I would have to look at his numbers. But I think probably it's good, <laughs> it's good probably. Um, He's, yeah, probably. I almost thought about Ender and Ciarte because that just feels like a Arizona Diamondbacks <laughs> name, just on name alone. Yeah. But I'm going with Tony Walmack. Tony Walmack is yes! through. Wait, is that who you put too? 
Here's who I picked. I had to get a, a, a number two who I was going to – I'll talk about too, but Tony Womack. Oh, God. Okay. So Tony Womack <laughs> obviously is like – played 13 years. His career war is 2.4, which is just outstanding in the way that you don't want it to be outstanding. He had one all-star appearance, which is kind of crazy. But the funny thing is, is like, so I tried to look up like uh, highlights of like iconic Tony Walmack moments. And I stumbled upon this YouTube video that I guess he played for the Carolina Mudcats for like forever. And he, I guess there was a day that he like, they had him come out to like be Tony Walmack day. And I found the video on YouTube and it's hilarious because it has basically like three highlights total and it's like a two minute long video and one of them is like a walk-off hit in like the championship game of the mudcats season in like 1995 <laughs> or something like that and then also in LDS game five had a walk-off against st louis and then his helmet was just so low on his head i have no idea like how short of a crown his head is I've never seen him without a hat, but like it always seemed like his helmet brim was at his eyebrows this whole entire time. <laughs> like there's yeah, no way just, my man's getting the sun in his eyes ever. No sunglasses needed. It was just way too big or he had this like tiny head. I remember, yeah, I watched him play. Because I think of Tony Womack because he played very shortly at the end of his career with the Cubs and had um, he had uh, a season with the the really good that year he hit 300 that year with the cardinals but um i also remember tony webeck as a diamondback forever because he just is totally he totally embodies the diamondbacks to me just like guys who be 2.4 career wars but fun to watch <laughs> yeah well like and then also just like man that guy can pull off purple and teal so well he just looks so good in purple and teal with his weird batting stance and his like hat that's too low like someone needs to make like a hat for people that have like short crowns is what they need to do because they make like ones for, <laughs> well i guess they make those five panel hats which i can't wear because my crown of my head's too big but they mm-hmm. make like, they it feels like he should have had like a five panel helmet or a five panel hat out on this on the on the field because six panels are just too much for that guy too much mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> six I want to I want to quote the quote for our episode today to be six panel hats is way too much for Tony Womack. <laughs> yes, that's that's what it is. There it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else on Tony Womack? I mean, it's kind of great that both of us thought of him. Yeah. I kind of well, I'll, I'll, the only other guy that I was picking for uh, for for the Dimebacks was um, that I had second on the list is just. I feel like forever Justin Upton feels like a dime back to me when he was like a young stud and like in MVP voting and like hitting 30 home runs and batting 300 and like looking promising for the rest of his career before it just kind of stalled out <laughs> when he went to Detroit and uh, in Los Angeles. But um, Justin Upton me also felt very much like a dime back. Yeah, he's got he's definitely got the uh, red and black era down for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'll give you that. That is a good honorable okay. question. That's a really good. Honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The start, the start of their. Yeah, that's right. They kind of, he kind of coincided as a star with the start of their new uniforms, right? With the red. Yeah. And, yeah. 
Yeah, well, the uniforms before these current uniforms that look weird and look like a soft or yes. a, a men's slow pitch softball team that's too competitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. All right. Uh, so Colorado. Colorado was a tough one for me too. Um, honorable mentions Dexter Fowler. I just for yeah. some reason he has a lot of Colorado Rocky vibes. Even as a Cub, he was yeah. a Colorado Rocky in my eyes. And like as a Cardinal, <laughs> he's a Cardinal in my eyes now. But like, yeah, he's still kind of a Colorado Rocky to a certain extent. He's always a Rocky. Yeah, yep, that's a good one. He looks really good in pinstripes is what I think it is. And it just like pinstripes and vests is what he looks really good in. He looks so good as a cub, man. Uh, he, did. He, did. <laughs> he did. Which I have a take. I have takes, you know, my takes about Cubs fans and, and Dexter Fowler, how the weird relationship going on there, but I'll save that for another podcast for the people. Um, <laughs> DJ, DJ LeMahieu is who I think of when I think of the Colorado Rockies. DJ LeMahieu, nice. see, you could think, like, obviously, like, Todd Helton, Larry Walker, uh, trying to think. You're, I mean, there's a lot of guys that were really good in Colorado, mm-hmm. but they're too good. And then there's a lot of bad players that are just, like, not good enough to be this. I thought about put, I thought about making a Troy mm-hmm. Tulowitzki, too, but DJ LeMahieu mm-hmm. is, like, the embodiment of, like, 21.8 career war, 98 OPS plus and he had 93 OPS plus in Coors like he was not that great except for that one season and like <laughs> last year he was really really good for the Yankees so it's like I don't know like DJ LeMahieu though was always a guy that was just in the lineup every single day and was just like whenever the Cardinals played him I was like oh yeah DJ LeMahieu's batting second and he's probably going to get two singles. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Most likely outcome is getting one to two singles. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a double sprinkled in if we're lucky. Right. Right. But yeah, um, DJ LeMahieu, former Cub. Cubs traded him to Colorado for none other than Ian Stewart, who is on my list of players. This is what I teased last week okay. for the Rockies. So I created a list of players when I read off these names, I hope that you rem- – I think you'll remember all of them and just know that all of them played at some point on the Rockies at the exact same time, and they all feel to me exactly like Rockies, like guys that are just, like, <laughs> like being put in a position but, like, playing consistently only in Colorado because it'll probably only work in Colorado because otherwise – that they can't even be on any other franchise. They they but, just feel like third place in NL West. Third place in the NL third, yes. Here here are third place in the NL West. Garrett Atkins, Clint Barmus, Brad Hopp, Ryan Spielborgs, Seth Smith, Ian Stewart, and Chris Ionetta. Okay, so I recognize like three of the seven, which I think is like the the I really yeah I think but I think that's like the point right is that you only recognize yeah. like three of the seven like I remember uh, Ionetta Stewart and who was the third one it was the first guy that you mentioned I recognize but base yeah it's like that's a team that should have like Red Hop oh yeah that one sounds like almost like a Japanese American name. Because it reminds, reminds me of like Ian Hap or Jay Hap. 
and no, it's pop. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, yeah. that was definitely on a Super yeah. Nintendo game. Yeah, but literally, okay, these are these are these players and their tenure. Briefly, I know we're running on time, but briefly, uh, um, what their time was with the Rockies and their time were was with any other franchise. And Gary Atkins was with them from 03 to 09. Then he played one more season with Baltimore and retired at 30. Uh, Clint Barmas spent his entire career there, 03 to 09. Brad Hopp, 04 to 10. He played two and a half more seasons, retired at 33. Seth Smith, 07 to 11. And then he retired at 33 after, after that. Uh, <laughs> that's it. Brian Spielborg's so 05 to 11. 07 to 11, then played parts of more, two, two more seasons, parts of it with the Cubs, and retired to 29. And then Chris Iannetta played there from 06 to 11 and had somewhat of a career after that. But, like, they're all guys who, like, they peaked in this one time frame with the Rockies. And I remember them, like, every time you turn them on, oh, yeah, of course, like Clint Barmas and Garrett Atkins. Like, <laughs> they're going to be batting, like, six and seven in the Rockies lineup on a third-place team. <laughs> it's kind of funny, too. It's like, oh, yeah, I have this, like, semi good career in Colorado and then I play two seasons and I'm like oh crap I don't have it outside of Colorado <laughs> air right exactly yeah, so no. quit before I'm ahead right guess I'll retire I made money <laughs> yeah yeah something like that yeah it's just like they're just trying to get to like tenure so they can get that um they can get that uh oh gosh the plan that the players get, like you get 10 years and then you get like the insurance for life or whatever that you get. From oh yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. They're just trying yeah. to make it to that 10th year, baby. Mm, get right. there. <laughs> Six years in Colorado. Easy, easy money. Those last, <laughs> the last two to four is the toughest part. Right. Yeah. It's just closing it out once you've, uh, yeah. hit like 14 home runs consistently at Coors Field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that doesn't ever look good on the old batting card here. So, all right. Yeah, so we are kind of up, up against time here. So, um, I'm Jordan. You can follow me at, at Life of Jordo for more outrageous takes. Um, Brian, you can just not follow him because that would be a bad idea and get you arrested uh, because he doesn't have any social media. So, don't follow him. Uh, Brian, is there anything you want to plug for the week? Anything cool or anything interesting that you've – been consuming as a as a media that you want to recommend to people oh my consumption of the media well last night lizzie and i watched uh shrek and i i just recommend shrek always and forever (laughs) (laughs) that's the one with all-star right yeah yeah but i mean it's such a good movie honestly it's really funny and like eddie murphy is hilarious and the dialogue is pretty sharp and there's like quite a few jokes that I caught later that are like, like um, when uh, <laughs> when uh, Farquaad is being shown the picture of Fiona in his bed by the mirror, he literally he literally has a uh, a moment. <laughs> like I, oh. got, I found that on Reddit, and I was like, Lizzie, this is literally in this movie, a <laughs> PG movie, two thousand one. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I, I saw a tweet the other day that, that said like something like Shrek 1 was about classism and Shrek, Shrek 2 is about housing crisis or something like that. I don't re- I'll have to find it, but like someone had a, a thread of what Shrek was, what Shrek is actually really about, which I thought was kind of funny. 
Interesting. Uh, I've not heard that. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to send. I'll have to send it to you. The um, see, what am I going to plug this week? I really don't have anything to plug. Everything I've just been listening to the same crap over and over again, and been playing a lot of Ghost of Shishima. So or or Tishima, yeah, Tishima. It's a video game oh, yeah. with samurais. It's awesome. It's great. It's kind of like Assassin's yes. Creed. A lot of yeah. fox. There's a lot of chasing foxes in that game, and I'm very pro fox. So like, it's really nice for me. I'm glad that you're pro fox. <laughs> oh, 100% pro good fox. Stance. Good stance. All right. Well, with that, we'll let everybody go. Thanks for listening. See ya.